Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees. This is a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, let us know how you're feeling about the new season. You can find our podcast on moviejohn.com. That's J-A-W-N, the Philadelphia John. Uh, We are part of their podcast network. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today we're talking about Song Kang Ho. Yeah, I'm so excited. And to talk about Song Kang Ho with us uh, is Amber T, uh, a internet friend of mine uh, that is really wonderful. Amber, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, would you like to, to talk a little bit about uh, your your background and experience? Yeah, of course. Hi, hi, both of you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be uh, talking about Song Kang Ho with you today. Um Oh, where to start with me? Really, um, I basically got into podcasting um, in about Novemberish, Octoberish last year, actually. And so I'm a host of the Hornblow Fire podcast that Tori, you've been on. We've talked about Beyond the Black Rainbow by Panos yeah. Cosmatos, which was so much fun, and still waiting for his third movie to come out. Um, oh God, we are too. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be waiting for a couple of decades, um, but that's fine. Um, yeah, recently started my newsletter. Um, I do writing for Ghouls Magazine and Grimoire of Horror and on my personal Instagram. And yeah, all that good stuff, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Amber, your podcast is great. Your writing is great. So uh, if anyone is listening and they do not follow Amber, uh, definitely follow Hornblood Fire. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we when we asked you to be on, I was just like, hey, if there's an actor you are interested in talking about, uh, let us know. And you were like, I want to talk about Song Kang Ho. Uh, so I'd love for you to let us know why you decided to pick him for the podcast. Yeah, I am a huge fan of Asian cinema. And I, I know the term Asian like means so many things and like the Asian mm-hmm. diaspora is so huge. But I'm talking about like. Um, Korean, Japanese, Thai. More recently, I've seen like a huge, amazing influx of like Indonesian horror, which has been amazing. Mm. Um, I don't like the term, you know, West and East, but to keep it simple, like the West is flagging in terms of like um, (laughs) where we should be in terms of like Asian horror. Um, But yeah, I moved to South Korea when I was, I want to say 22. My timeline is all skewed because it feels like a thousand million years ago, basically. Um, yeah, I moved there to teach English and before I went there, I kind of had an idea, like I knew quite a bit about Korean culture and I had started learning, um, the language, um, which I'm no expert at at all, just FYI. Um, but what I wasn't really sure about was Korean film. And this was a time in my life where I had started to get into film, like in a more serious way, I guess, like this is my, my, Lynch years when I started to fully get into like David Lynch and horror movies and I I kept seeing these Korean films recommended 
the Vengeance trilogy by Pak Chanuk. And one of them that, of course, really stood out to me was Old Boy, which is mm-hmm. just a monumental piece of cinema. Um, I'm applauding on my side. Applauding, <laughs> applauding. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just it's just fantastic. I mean, I always say it's like probably in my top five favorite films of all time. Um, yeah. But then I kind of moved on to Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which is the first one in the unofficial trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it get as much love as I think it should. I think Old Boy kind of overshadows is the wrong word, but it, it does kind of overshadow it. Um, and yeah, I remember seeing this actor in it who I didn't know at the time was Song Kang-ho. I was like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. And he's just got the most amazing presence. Um, he's got this amazing face that can portray so much emotion, but also can be so stoic at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I remember from there, I got into like Bong Joon-ho, like the host. And I recognized him again. I was like, oh, that's the same guy um, who mm-hmm. was in from Mr. Vengeance. And then kind of got to know that Song Kang-ho is like a huge household name in Korea. I would say like a side alongside like Gong Yoo and like Lee Byung-hun and um, Che Min-chik, like he's up there with the top of them. And since then, I've just kind of um, sought out what I can of his movies. I mean, I've seen more of like the darker ones because that's kind of where I, I land um, thematically. Mm. But so I haven't seen all of them. I would just like to put that out there. But what I've seen, I love. I love him. I think he's a great guy. And yeah, just very excited to talk about him. We're very excited to have you to talk about him. I have like so many questions right off the bat, but maybe <laughs> we'll we'll save them for when we get into the meat of his career. Because um, I know you probably want to talk do some chatting about some movies before we dig in. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. And I mean, you already brought up so many good points too. Like, I mean, that's, that's like why we started our podcast is, you know, we (laughs) recognize these actors that were like, they were were really cool in this. And now I'm seeing in something else. Like, who are they? What else have they done? Yeah, That that person that when you see them for the third time, you go like, man, I love this. (laughs) You know, like, who are they? But uh, yeah, is there have you seen anything good lately that you'd like to shout out? I saw X last night at the cinema. Oh my goodness. We are so jealous. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say any spoilers. And I know I have seen a few people who didn't, who didn't vibe with it. And that's obviously fine. I absolutely, can I swear on the podcast? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I fucking loved it. Um, To be blunt, I absolutely loved it. I feel like it was, it was just a refreshing thing that I had wanted from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which mm. personally I didn't like. I was I was very let down by it. And um, X was what I wanted that to be. And mm. I was just absolutely blown away. It was so good. I'm so obsessed with Mia Goth. I'm in love with her. <laughs> um, it's really good. So yeah, do check it out as soon as you have the chance. We like, actually plan to see it this afternoon. Oh, yeah, my, amazing. My- my dad is here and we we had like other things going on this weekend too. We're like, just so you know, we like are podcasting, we're getting massages, but you're like, you're welcome <laughs> to hang out. And then we were like, can we also take you to this weird horror movie yeah. that's like about like, I don't know, Texas Chainsaw set in like the porn industry. <laughs> Essentially, oh. he's like, sure. <laughs> um, I will say if you're going to see it with your dad, it it, it has a lot of sex in it. Um, Great. <laughs> <laughs> so be prepared for like an awkward, <laughs> an awkward looking away and like just pretending well, that didn't happen. <laughs> my first time seeing American Psycho was with my dad. So <gasps> I think, uh, I think uh, we can kind of be prepared oh, for that. You, you can get through <laughs> anything then. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't going to be so bad, really. 
<laughs> oh, but I'm so glad you loved it. As soon as I saw that you liked it, I'm like, ooh, awesome. It has Amber's stamp of approval, <laughs> okay. so I bet I'm going to be into this. Oh, I well, hope I you to... all <laughs> go, go ahead, Amber. I'm sorry. No, sorry. It's just like I feel um, someone else said that to me, too. And they were like, oh, I, you loved it so much that I really wanted to like it. And they didn't like it. I was like, uh, don't trust my judgment ever again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't wait to, to talk about it once we see it. Yeah, I'm just happy to hear you say you liked it even more than the new Texas Chainsaw because Tori and I actually liked that movie quite a bit. Mm. I thought there, I, I really loved the like cinematography in that movie, and I even kind of thought some of the like um, the political stuff going on in it, which I know annoyed a lot of people. I was kind of impressed by. It's like one of the few movies I've seen that does try to address that stuff, but mm-hmm. didn't feel like it was um, writing like a screed about those things. If that makes sense, like yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. felt a little more. They felt a little more baked into just like the premise of the movie. So anyway, I enjoyed that movie well enough. So if this movie is like that much dramatically better than that one, mm. I'm I'm very excited. It was it was really fun. I, I'm just looking at my letterbox now to see what else I saw. And I saw I recently finally got to watch um, We're All Going to the World's Fair by Jane Schoenbrunn. Um, yeah, we've seen sorry, that. Jane, yeah. if that's how you mispronounce your name. I'm sorry if I did. Um, but oh, my God how gorgeous was that oh it was so chilling you said something about like the loneliness of that movie Mm. i think and that i was like oh i feel like you really like nailed one of the the lingering feelings i have Mm -hmm. with that movie yeah i mean that's one of that's one of the only um you know not that there's a ton of this anyway but that's one of the only i guess i would call it like creepy pasta movies i've seen that i thought was like really effective at kind of i don't know recreating the feeling of reading some old creepypasta yes. if that makes sense mm-hmm. no i completely agree because i i'm like lo- i love creepypasta well i love the good ones and mm-hmm. you know you get movies like slender man and mm-hmm. well i haven't seen it but the channel zero stuff is apparently very good so um that's what i've heard too yeah yeah so i think that's probably a good one but in terms of movies like yeah i can't really think of any that actually affected me but this one it got yeah it had that very mm-hmm. lonely like reading a story on your on your laptop at like three in the morning because you've got no mm-hmm. friends. I'm talking about mm-hmm. me now. and <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was really good. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that for uh, Nightstream Festival right, last right. year mm. and really dug it. Um, so I'm glad that it's, I'm glad more people are seeing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I know one of the things we also watched that's newer is Fresh. Did you watch that, Amber? I haven't seen it yet. Um, Ooh, okay. I've, I've seen... I'm seeing and hearing good things about it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people are saying like go in blind to it. So mm-hmm. I've been trying to avoid spoilers. Yeah, we won't. We won't go yeah. into detail. I, I feel like I loved it, and you you thought it was like pretty fun, Garrett. Yeah, I did. I thought it was fun. I I really enjoy Sebastian Stan, uh, and really enjoy his kind of like. Like pretty much anytime he's not in a Marvel movie, he's like dramatically weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I really dig that. I like that he's one of the guys that's doing these like big blockbuster movies, but then outside of that is like really leaning into just like trying to be a weirdo. And I have a lot of fun watching that kind of stuff. Very Robert Pattinson. Like I feel like Sebastian Stan is trying to get his Marvel bucks. So he's set for life and then he can do like (laughs) weird shit like Robert Pattinson did with Twilight, which I fully respect. Totally. Yes, agreed. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah, and so like I do think going in blind is best. I kind of get the mixed opinions about the movie, but I think if you've even got a little bit of a like, I like when Sebastian stands kind of weird, uh, you'll have a good enough time with the movie. Yeah, I found yeah. him utterly charming. <laughs> 
he gave, I, I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I said this to Claire Sunday Scaries, but one of the pictures she posted, I was getting kind of like Mark Duplass in Creep vibes. Am I like? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Then I'm very, very excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely but, perfect for like problematic hotties. For oh, sure. yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank I was going to say like, imagine if Duplass and Creep was like uh, actually chart, like didn't give off weird vibes necessarily, like was uh. actually charming. You know what I mean? Uh, okay. We'll check um, that one out. I know one we also watched that I think uh, is one that you like, Amber, is Inside. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, Which we had never seen before, and I saw that it was on Shudder, and I feel like I'm still dipping my toe into, like, the French extremities films, because some of it, I'm like, will I like this? Is this too much for me? I know, I'm a big old scaredy cat for a horror (laughs) fan, and something about the French extremity movies, uh, everything I've heard about them makes me think, like, no, I I don't think I'll like that. Yeah, I know, but uh, But I- I loved Inside. Oh, this was wild. Yeah. It's it's a it's a shit show in like the best. Way. Yeah, the the, the 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 like new friends extremity movies. They are a lot to handle. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they're um they're not something you just would recommend to like your average normie horror fan. Um, but mm-hmm. inside, yeah, inside is just absolutely vile. Like, and I love it to bits. I I watched it like a long time ago. And I put this on Instagram. It's like I genuinely did not have the balls to revisit it for ages. Um, mm. Because it really, it really got to me. Like, just the. I mean, obviously, I've never been pregnant, but just the like the vulnerability of a pregnant person and just yeah. being in your home, and then oh god, that awful moment where um she accidentally kills her own mother, and it's oh just yeah, like, <gasps> it's just yep nonstop. It's like horrible. <laughs> Well, and it, the way it escalated, I expected it to be this like, uh, you know, home invasion movie that's just between these two people. Mm-hmm. And so as more and more people get right? involved <laughs> and the body count stacks up, I was like, oh, my God, I did not know this is what we were going to get out of this. There yeah. is like an absurd level of humor to that movie. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in its like constant escalations and how absurd they kind of get. Um, it did. Um, it reminded me of um, *Malignant*. Like, I, I like oh, you know, I really enjoyed *Malignant*. Tori liked it less so, but then, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of what people seemed to think it was like kind of aping and and mm. sort of in tribute to. And this felt like the first thing I saw where I was like, "Oh, this is the kind of movie that like *Malignant* is trying to mm. be." I think. That's interesting because actually I'm looking at the poster right now and I'm like, oh, the poster has some similarities with the malignant poster. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, like the the face, like Mm -hmm. red lip from the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're onto something there. So interesting. Yeah, and just the same kind of like um, we start with what seems like a sort of small direct premise Mm. that kind of starts spinning wildly out of control until Mm -hmm. it's like almost an entirely different movie than you thought it was, you know? Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, Garrett, were there any other movies that you had seen that you wanted to bring up? Or? No, I, I think we've yeah. we've had some good conversation here. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about Song Kang Ho. Let's do it. Uh, so one of the first things I pulled just because I thought it was really funny, and I know we're going to talk about this, um, in an IndieWire article, uh, the interviewer asked Song Kang Ho why he always plays these working class survivors instead mm. of more traditional hero types. And he it says like the actor like flashed a smile and said there are many handsome actors I am not one of them <laughs> oh <laughs> right so like I, we were I mentioned it the other day I was like he is so utterly adorable and charming and it, he's 
quirky and weird, but it all works really well for him. Yeah, when he does smile, when that like little grin Charming. breaks through, it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, yeah, that smile. He's is a everything. very good looking guy. Like yes, he, he is. is. He's, a good, he's got these amazing cheekbones, and like you said, he's mm-hmm. got that really like cheeky little smile that it feels like, like he's he's like bantering with you. It feels like. He's teasing you, but you're kind of in on the joke. I don't know if I've made up this like Song Kang Ho fantasy in my head about that, <laughs> but like that's the kind of face he has to me. I he's, agree. He's also got that like um when he does that like kind of maniacal giggle that he does sometimes yes. in some characters, he's like he's really willing to be kind of like unhinged in his weirdness that I find very attractive. Like just that quality is very attractive, I think. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, Song Kang Ho was born uh, January seventeenth, nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, I will not pronounce where in Korea because I feel like all of these words I will butcher. <laughs> <laughs> Unless uh, Amber, you have some insight at all. Yeah, let me just pull it up here. Is that oh, Gim- Gimhe? Gimhe. Gimhe. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Um, so Song Kang-ho never professionally trained as an actor. Um, he began his career in social theater groups after he graduating from high school. Um, later, he joined a influential theater company that had an emphasis on instinctive, instinctive acting and improvisation, uh, which is kind of the like ground that he started from, which I think as we talk about some of his roles makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Tori and I were talking about how he's like a very reactive actor uh, in in like the positive ways you would mean that. He's really good at, I don't know, finding these funny, charming, weird, strange ways of reacting to the things that happen around him. And it makes him like a very dynamic performer. Mm. Yeah, it really does. And especially when, you know, he's working like someone like with someone like Bong Joon-ho, who is so meticulous with like his storyboards and his scripts and how he Mm -hmm. wants things to be and I feel like it gotta take a confident actor to like go against that and be like no I'm just gonna do it how I feel um yeah and I wonder if that's like something that uh Bong likes about him that he brings a little bit of like um uh, uh spark or energy to to his movies that are so controlled otherwise yes I mean that their relationship I'm sure we'll get into they are just I love them together. Um, <laughs> I've been watching like press tour, like them when they did like all the Parasite press tours. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just so fun. Also, shout out to Sharon Che, who is the um, translator, the interpreter, because I am just in awe um, of all the work she did when they were touring for Parasite. She's just like a fantastic um, person for all this interpretation that she did and all these translations. Um Sorry, just a little side note there. Just shout out to no, Sharon. No, that's great. <laughs> Tori and I were talking about, we, as far as we know, it doesn't seem like uh, Song knows English or speaks much English. And so it is interesting trying to do research on him and mm. watch interviews with him and stuff. Everything is translated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it was the important. same when we did make Okaji too. Yeah. Um, but I think because he is like a any actor that has really broke out like yeah. in his lifetime in the United States, like it it is nice to see how much um like translated interviews there right. are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so very much worth shouting her out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we I also like have started working with some of the translators and interpreters at work. And mm. I feel like they uh one, do not get the credit they deserve, but no also way. do not get paid as much as they <gasps> should. And no. so I'm like Oh, these people do so much work. Yeah. I cannot imagine doing like the level of work they do. And so no. we should definitely should shout them out yes. more. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, 
And so I also found this piece of one of the interviews, too, where he's talking about, um, like, he's, like, the interview is trying to figure out, like, why Bong casts him and, like, how he uses him. And Song Kang-ho says, uh, I've never actually uh, talked with Bong about how he uses me. Um, each think of me as a different tool. Bong Joon-ho, Park Chan-wook, uh, Kim Ji-woon all have their various set of characters for me to play. And I find it really interesting to switch between them. Um, he said, alluding to how Bong tends to cast him as low-status clowns, while Park <laughs> has reliably that. pushed him towards more severe parts in films like Thirst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is very interesting because I, I didn't think of how these different directors use him in different ways until I read this. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Like, I know he plays these types of characters, but they also do align with these different directors. Yeah. And like, maybe his work with Kim Ji-woon is a little similar to his work with Bong Joon-ho. Mm. You know, like probably Park Jim-wook stands out in this a little bit as using him as a, a just a different kind of archetype, I think. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. I love that term low status clown. Like <laughs> I love that. It's funny because I was it really watching, sums it up. Yes, it does. Like I was watching one of the Parasite um tours and he was joking that when like he got the call from Bong Jun Ho, he was like, Oh, finally I'm gonna get to play the rich guy. <laughs> <laughs> Bong, Bong was like, no, that's not you. He's like, he's like, ooh. He's like, how did you read this script and not understand which I guy know. I wanted you to be? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his film career, uh, it, one of the notes said that he actually like turned down a lot of film opportunities mm. until later. So his career really starts on film in the 90s, which mm. I thought was interesting. Um, so his first role was in 1996, a movie called uh, The Day a Pig Fell Into the Well. Amazing. <laughs> uh, from director uh, Hong Sang Su um, about desires and lives of four characters in diverse circumstances: uh, poor novelist, a cheating wife, a mis- misophobic uh, husband, and a ticket girl. I had not heard of this, but I love the title. Yeah, that, that is yeah. so good. I love that. I love some of the translations from like Korean movie titles. Like some of them are so literal, and then like like this: <laughs> the day a pig fell into the well. Like I'm sure it's not. I haven't seen it, but I'm sure. It, well, actually, that's the thing. It could actually just be about a pig, and there's like a thousand metaphors about it. But gonna oh, check that funny. one out. I can tell you the poster is just like a close up of a pig's butt, so that oh, it's lovely. like little curly tail is oh, like going cute. up in the air. I love that. Yeah. Uh, adorable. Um, in 1997, he's in a movie. Uh, called Greenfish, and then a movie called Number Three, where he uh, plays, he got cult notoriety for his role as, uh, I think he's like one of the um, like gangsters in the film, because um, it seems like he's also in a lot of these like crime thrillers yeah. too. So uh, apparently like when when Number Three was released in Korea and Song Kang-ho was like not very well known and people like... Um, Bong Joon-ho told this story. I feel like everything I say is just like, Bong Joon-ho said this, Bong Joon-ho said that. <laughs> um, but he said that he knew about Song Kang-ho because everyone had been in this movie like, they actually cast a real gangster for number three. Like everyone <laughs> thought he was actually this real like mafia guy. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Wild. Yeah. That's funny too because he does go on to, uh, at least in America, is like most known as these more like foolish characters. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting to hear that like the first time anybody recognizes them, they're like, he's so scary. He's probably <laughs> real. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
Um, after that, he does a movie called Bad Movie, uh, which is a compilation of episodes from the lives of the bad teens and the homeless of uh, Seoul, which I was like, oh, that seems interesting. I don't mm. necessarily totally know what that is, but. Yeah, I, I like read a little bit about this and it is unclear to me how much is like uh, documentary versus mm-hmm. invented. I believe Song plays like a homeless man in the movie, which leads me to think that at least some of it is invented, but the intent of the film seems to be to highlight some of these social issues uh, in, in South Korea of the time mm-hmm. yeah. um, th- I mean, through sort of a documentary approach, I think is sort of what I understood about it. I think it probably, like this this time, like the 90s, I mean, I'm, please no one quote me as an expert on this, but like uh, the 80s in Korea were like, they, there was a lot of censorship from like their forced mm. president, uh, Chun Doo-hwan, who we'll get into later when we talk about a taxi driver. But the 90s was like a period of time where filmmakers could explore like the darker side of Korea and like mm. social injustice, injustices, can't say that word. <laughs> so yeah, that's <laughs> when you get the like the the Korean new wave, as it were, like exploring like, gotcha. um, hey, Korea is a great place, but it's also not a great place for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I just I'm so glad you're here because I feel like you'll have a little bit more insight into some of like the Korean film industry because I feel like there's so much stuff I've been speculating about. And you might not have all the answers, but I just I'm like, oh, I, I did wonder about this. And yeah. I wonder I'll try like, my best. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, any insight you can offer is wonderful. <laughs> Um, and then in 1998, he did a movie called The Quiet Family from director Jiwoon Kim, which we actually watched the other day because it sounded really funny and Garrett was able to find it. Oh, so nice. How yeah, was it? So, uh, we, it was good. Yeah, we really liked it. It's very funny and it definitely has like horror elements to mm-hmm. it as it goes on. It is one of those comedy of errors yeah. movies mm. where um, something bad happens and then a bunch of dumb people decide to handle it poorly. Uh, and so then everything continues to get worse for them as they make worse and worse decisions trying to handle this one oh, bad thing that happened I love to them. That. And that's very yeah. like like a typical thing of like Korean cinema. Because I, I love how mm. you you guys were like, oh, it's really funny. And I'm looking at the synopsis you've written here and it says, a family opens a mountain inn where their first guest commits suicide. <laughs> and like yes, the, yes. the fact that that is funny works uh-huh. in Korean cinema because there is such a like black horrible humor that runs through so many films that come out of the country yeah um, yeah i feel like that's probably why so much of it works for me because i like that dark humor (laughs) there's there's definitely a bit of like what would you say like cynicism Mm, uh and and maybe even a little nihilism to uh some of their their films definitely yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah this movie was like real funny and um song is like part of an ensemble here as he often is mm. but you know um pretty much immediately after this movie he becomes like the lead of the ensemble mm-hmm. uh where here he's like not quite the lead of the movie he's just like one of, but he he plays the dipshit son basically yeah. i mean mm. he plays a very song king okay <laughs> he plays he has like they make it be like he's this uh you know kind of loser older son who is kind of perverted like he like will try to listen to people have sex at the end and stuff and you're yeah. just like oh this would be the character you would play yeah, in yes that even that description i'm like yep that sounds like a song <laughs> kang ho character i'm gonna yeah. definitely check that one out it's pretty fun and so i didn't know this um, a buddy of mine told me this but are you familiar with that movie the happiness of the Katamaris, I think that's what it's called. I've heard of it, yeah. A lot of people have recommended it to me. I haven't gotten around to see it yet, but I heard it's it's kind of similar in that 
gross yeah, I think, Juma thing. I think it's a loose remake of this movie. Oh, like, appa- okay. Apparently, to, I think Takashi Miike made that movie, and mm. I think he saw and enjoyed this movie and basically kind of remade it. Oh, okay. Is what somebody told me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would watch that. Yeah. Um, and then in 1999, he's in a movie called uh, Shiri about uh, Southern C- South Korean agents uh, who are tracking a female assassin from North Korea, which... Uh, one that sounded pretty cool. I was like, "Ooh, female assassin!" Mm. But also, one thing we talked a lot about was how, um, and it makes sense because of like the history and also like you know political like goings on right now. But it's interesting how many of the films that we've watched from South Korea there is at least some sort of like North Korean like influence or messaging or or storyline. Like the even yeah. the Quiet Family had in the background. There's watching the news and they're talking about like North. Korean spies coming into the country Mm -hmm. and it's not a big part of the movie but it's interesting how often that is just like because it's just part of you know what's going on yeah yeah the all all of these movies seem to basically we were talking about the shadow of north korea Mm -hmm. kind of like Mm -hmm. as if south korea is like in the shadow of north korea and so all of the movies seem to in some way feel the need to reference like Mm. the the politics that are happening in the background of whatever movie you're watching you know even if those politics aren't important in a direct way to the the narrative if Mm. that makes sense it's very much what it's like to live i mean obviously of course i'm not korean and my experience as a non-korean person is Mm. completely Mm -hmm. different to that of a korean person but i lived in south korea in total for almost five years and like before i went obviously like a stupid ignorant uh, English person I was like oh North Korea is so scary there's like um, what if I get bombed blah 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 um, but it's very much it is like a shadow um, you're always aware that something could happen but it's yeah. it doesn't like obviously the complexities of the politics between the two countries are too big to go into but there's always a thought that something terrible could happen but it, it most likely fingers crossed won't happen but it's always Mm. just there and obviously Mm. the the korean separation between north and south is still relatively recent um Mm -hmm. right you know certainly in living history there are people who have relatives who they haven't seen for years um so yeah it is very much still a huge thing in south korea and it's a thing that is not always spoken about but it's it's always there I wonder if that's why it creeps into the movies. Mm-hmm. If it, if it's something that is not always spoken about out loud, if that's why it creeps into art. And so even art that is not necessarily about it is mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and, and needs to be addressing it in some way. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm even trying to think of like what like an equivalent of that would be in like American history. And my thought was like, oh, like maybe that's kind of what it was like for people living like during the Cold War. Like there's mm. this threat of like something could happen. But yeah, it also is different because I mean, those countries are like right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. So it's also weird just having it like actually be this like physical presence that you you kind of know about all the time. And, and they're technically and would... still at war as well. Like. Yeah, mm-hmm. never actually like signed a proper pre- peace treaty, and every few months, you know, Kim Jong Un would would start something up, and um, mm-hmm. there'd be, there's people shot at the border now and then. Um, but uh, you know, luckily, thank God, touch wood, that's as far as it's gone so for, mm. so far. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's always there, and I think you're right. Like it definitely seeps into the art and culture because why wouldn't it? To be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. makes sense. 
Um, so yeah, then we get to his roles in the 2000s, and the first one is a movie called The Foul King from uh, Jimoon Kim, which we also watched last night with my dad. No! Because <laughs> it sounded really silly, and uh, so it's about a bank clerk that just becomes a pro wrestler, like, kind of, like, haphazardly. Uh, <laughs> his his boss, like, puts him in a chokehold because he's mad at him, <laughs> and every, and then he just keeps asking people, like, how would you get out of a chokehold? Like, he's just prepping to kind of fight his boss throughout yeah. the film he like he goes to like a taekwondo school and the the like master is like what are you even here for like what what, what do you want you actually want to learn taekwondo you don't see him and he's like yeah i do but like specifically can you tell me how to get out of a headlock <laughs> <laughs> i definitely it, it's, want someone too. yeah it's pretty fun and i guess this is his first leading role mm. in a in a movie yeah and when we watched it we were like oh wow he is so young looking yeah. um it's it's interesting because we just hadn't watched that many movies where he was that young um right. and he's you know in like a business suit a lot of it but then he also has to wear these like ridiculous costumes when he's uh Aww. being a wrestler which oh. is really fun. <laughs> amber you need to see this movie I just do. for a fantasy sequence in which he is dressed as elvis and doing <gasps> wrestling moves right it's I incredible about i'm getting it now <laughs> I'm ordering it. Oh my god! No, uh, it, I need to see that. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he also apparently did most of his own stunts in this movie. Okay. Yeah, there's actually there is like a remarkable amount of shots where you watch him climb up on the ropes, do a backflip off of them, and land on top of a big guy. Oh and my god! You see his face in close up when he climbs up onto the ropes, and the camera never cuts. Yep. So it is straight up Song Kang Ho doing like. WWE style wrestling moves. Good for him, uh, the dedication. Yeah. Yeah. I know, it's impressive actually. <laughs> it really was. There was like multiple times that we were all like, oh, oh, whoa. Like, because he, he was just doing such crazy stuff. Good for him. And then he's in Joint Security Area, which is his first, uh, it's, I think, believe it's his first time working with director Park Chan-wook. Mm-hmm. Um, he also stars alongside uh, Lee Byung-hun um, from The Good, The Bad, The Weird, and I Saw the Devil. Yeah, I love this actor. Uh, yeah, and then the great. lead from Lady Vengeance as well, uh, Lee Young-ye. Yeah, I yeah, have so to see We're her... probably butchering these No, names. it's fine. I'll... I think it's, I'm not sure. I have to see her name in Hangul, but I think it's probably Young-ye is probably right. So I don't want to sound like I'm like, I know everything about Korean because I don't. <laughs> you know more than we do. So we're, we're coming to you. For it. Um, but yeah, this one uh, also sounded kind of interesting. We didn't end up watching it, but this is about a shooting incident. But like that happens at the North and South Korean borders. Uh, so very directly uh, mm-hmm. is related to this, which is interesting. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Joint Security Area, but it is a huge film in Korea. It's one that I came up a lot in conversation just from living in Korea and having Korean friends and et cetera. Mm. And it, it it was like a really big, like I would say it's probably like was his, I guess his breakout, Um, mm-hmm. I um, I guess, but it's uh got a fantastic cast. Like you said, Lee Byung-hyun, who was in I Saw the Devil, which is an amazing, horrible film. I need to see that. Oh my God, it's horrible. Um, but it's That's so good. I keep telling Tori, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I do, you do probably want to see it, but yeah. also it's awful. Like, yeah, because <laughs> I was so torn when I was thinking about who to choose this episode. I was really torn between Song Kang-ho and Che Min-shik, who plays um, Old Boy, but also plays mm-hmm. the killer in right. I Saw the Devil. Um, yeah. Because I love both of them. But yeah, I Saw the Devil is just brutal. 
Yes. I yeah. also, I know you both love Old Boy, and I have a very complicated relationship with it because years ago I was seeing someone and I had like come home from work and he was just sitting on the couch watching a movie. So he's like halfway through and I just like popped down next to him and it's Old Boy. <gasps> and so I saw like the second half of Old Boy and was yeah. like, oh, no. what the actual fuck did I just see? <laughs> I was like, I think this scarred me for life. But now I'm like much more into horror than I was back then and like also South Korean films. So I do need to rewatch it but oh my god that that's such a shame too was a like, lot. yeah because like but the ending that twist if you don't have the context behind it yeah. oh that's such a shame because i wish you i wish personally i could go back and watch old boy again and not mm. know what was coming um uh-huh. so i'm sorry that you had that taken from you that's very unfair yeah it is one of the like i think there are very few twist ending movies that actually are like worthy of their twists yeah. or vice versa you know and it, it is one of them maybe the best of them you oh know? yeah that's it's, interesting it's unbelievable i think the first time i saw it was like, like genuinely almost sick like i was like what yeah. so good yeah yeah i was gonna say the other thing is like tori you did not have the wrong reaction to that movie yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that is what's <laughs> happening at the end of that movie it's, i know yeah. i just feel like i probably knowing the film fan i am now yeah. there's probably a lot more i would appreciate about that movie mm-hmm. yes. also you know being able to see it from start to finish yes. and not just midpoint <laughs> not that we're here to talk about old boy but i'm i'm wondering if so somebody told me um a long time ago that one of the interesting things about old boy in particular is that like a lot of what's happening in the plot of that movie is specifically addressing like taboos in Korean culture, like even down to the way he eats that live squid early in the movie. Yeah, I guess is something that would be considered taboo in their culture. Mm. Yeah, it. Is, I mean, uh, sanakji is the food I have eaten it three times in my life, and I'm very sorry wow. to every octopus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it is it is something that people eat. Not it's not so common like anymore, but mm-hmm. you don't have it like on a plate just as is like it it is always right. prepared like chopped up and um i, I guess it mm. is dead when you have it but it's still it's still wriggly 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 um weird but yeah there is a lot in old boy i mean even the fact that um oh i forget her name the main woman in it she's a sushi chef i mean was at mm-hmm. first of all, like to be a, a female sushi chef is is a big thing oh, that's interesting uh, yeah um, interesting yeah and also with the fact that you know it's it sushi is like a famously um, a Japanese thing and uh, Japan and Korea have uh, massive I'm not going to go into that but, um, well I mean we'll get to it when we talk to the good the bad the weird anyway but yeah, yes there's, yeah. Yeah, um, there's uh, a history of bad blood there I guess there's a lot there's a lot Um, but yeah old boy is just absolutely fantastic and I think if you yeah if you don't know anything about Korean culture part of it you might think oh god what like why is he eating that with his bare hands but that that doesn't happen <laughs> Right, right, yeah. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then in 2002, he is in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, um, which is, again, him working with Park Chan-wook, uh, as well as Bea Duna, who's in Cloud Atlas and The Host, which we'll talk about a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I have not seen this movie, but you guys have. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought he had a quote here that I thought was interesting that I'll say before I let you all talk about the movie. But he said, I was terrified of Mr. Vengeance because I had never done anything quite like it. Um, there has never been anything quite like it in the history of Korean film. But it is. Mm-hmm. It was that fear that made me decide to appear in the movie. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. 
I, I mean, obviously, I don't know a huge amount about the history of Korean film, but I remember when I watched this one thing that stood out to me that I had never seen in a film before, American, Korean, Japanese or whatever. I had never seen the death of a child on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to spoil it, but that does happen in it. Um, yeah. You see it uh, very obviously on the screen and it doesn't really let up. Um, mm-hmm. You see her, you see her die, you see the ramifications of it. And it, I remember when I first watched that, I was like... Phew. Jesus Christ. Um, mm-hmm. It was a lot. I remember this movie was like pretty rough to watch, uh, you know, which is funny to say about a movie in the Vengeance trilogy because they're, they're all kind of rough to watch. But mm-hmm. this one in particular, I remember being very rough. Yeah, it's I mean, I personally, it's very rough. I absolutely love it. Another thing I love about Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is um so Song Kang Ho's character, uh, I'm just going to pull his name up here because I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> Park Dong Jin is the name of his character. He is originally like posited as the quote unquote antagonist, I guess. But then it shifts and he becomes the protagonist. But but to use these words feels so meaningless mm-hmm. because like the mm-hmm. Vengeance trilogy and more Korean cinema as a whole, I guess, is so, it presents like such a more nuanced look of people rather than this guy good, this guy bad. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that runs through the Vengeance trilogy is that no one in these films is 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 perfectly good or perfectly innocent except the children. Um, and no one is perfectly evil except arguably Chaemin Shik's character in Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I had never really seen that too because I was a bit like oh but he's the bad guy but now I like him and I don't like the good guy and then my mind was opened after that (laughs) yeah um like I don't even remember this movie that much because I do remember being like almost like I don't know it was like a very tortured movie I felt like both in the experience of watching it but also just like what it was about and how it was about it you know Mm. yes yeah it's a hard watch I mean it's very I think that's also another reason why it maybe doesn't get as much love as old boy because old boy is also a hard watch but it's I don't know there's like a pulpy fun to be had yeah yeah that makes sense also arguably depending on how you perceive the ending of old boy you could would say that it's a not happy ending. I think that's the wrong word. True, but true, you, yes. <laughs> you could say that there's positivity in the ending. I mean, mm. obviously that depends on how you, you read what happens at the end. Um, Certainly. But uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, everyone's dead. Every person that you like grow to love and oh sorry I'm so sorry, Tori. I just remembered you have this. Oh no worries. <laughs> no uh, spoilers are totally fine. Don't worry. <laughs> um but yeah, all these characters that you grow to know and appreciate their nuances and like them and dislike them, it's just meaningless at the end because it's yeah. a very sad ending. Ooh. It's a tough movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to see it. I want to watch because uh, Lady Vengeance is the only one of the but Vengeance trilogy lot, right? I've seen like all the way through, yeah. and I did like that a lot. Um, so I I want to watch this and give Old Boy another shot. Yes. Uh, well, I, I own I own the what was it? It was like a a specific like DVD set. Tristan, maybe I forget who released oh, it, but a, a very nice DVD set of the trilogy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so after that, he is in YMCA baseball team, which just seems funny. Did not know that existed. <laughs> Do need to see it. Um, and then in 2003, he is in uh, Memories of Murder uh, from director Bon Joon-ho. Uh, and he's in that with uh, Byun Hee-bung uh, from The Host and Okja. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is another I haven't seen, but it is definitely on my watch list. And I know you both have seen it. 
yeah, this was like on Criterion Channel for a little while, mm. I think um, last year. Um, and so I finally got to catch up with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is everybody describes this as like the Korean Zodiac. Mm. And that is, I would say, like a fairly apt description of the movie. Um, it, it is, uh, you know, they, they are after Korea's, I guess, is it Korea's like first serial killer? Is that the idea? Yeah. So there's, it's a Korean province of Hwasong. Uh, in the 80s, there was a serial killer who killed, I think, 10 women, I think, could be more. Mm. Um, and they never found him. And mm-hmm. part wow. of the reason because of that is because the Korean police are were and still are notoriously pretty incompetent as most mm. police are in most countries but um yeah. <laughs> true um yeah but well, well, one thing i love about memories of murder is that um bong joon ho doesn't shy away from portraying that and um yeah they're very bumbling they mess up a lot of times you know um song kang ho's character Park Man, he relies on like these superstitious feelings to like lead him like he thinks he can tell who's guilty by looking in their eyes um all things that are you know, fair enough if you want to think that, but people are dying here. We need to have some science yeah. and some like actual, we need a like real competent police force on it, which they don't have. And that was part of the reason why, well, arguably part of the reason why they never caught this murderer who could well still be out there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, and it's a really great movie. Like it is like a really like watchable, interesting movie. Mm. Uh, part of it is because he's like, you like watching Song Kang Ho, even when he's playing, you know, he's playing a different kind of dipshit in this movie. You know what I mean? Like um, uh, a guy that takes himself seriously, um, mm. but but is probably not actually the best at what he does. Maybe is good at what he does compared to some of the people around him, but mm-hmm. not necessarily in any kind of like super competent way that you would need him to be for what he's doing, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it the the thing I always think about in this movie, Amber, is the shots when he's like walking through a field, oh, yeah. and you just sort of see those eyeballs in the background, kind of. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I think at one point you even see a full like silhouette, mm-hmm. just like standing behind him, just and then, out of reach. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then sort of by the time he turns around, there's nothing for him to see there anymore. Yes, um, I mean, I, so much of this movie is so Welsh that I was watch rewatching it, and the ending scene always really gets to me. Um, yeah. When Patuman's character, he's like quit the police force, and he goes back to where they found the first body. Um, mm-hmm. And that scene always kind of reminds me of the the Winky scene from Mulholland Drive. Um, oh, because sure. Because he's it's like very slow. He's walking up to this um, on the surface very inconspicuous place. You know, it's just a ditch in a field. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that there could be something terrible there. And I just got that same you know that that horrible scene from Mulholland Drive when they're just heading towards a a dumpster and you're like oh my god oh my god what is there what is that (laughs) um but yeah yeah, i i definitely got that and then the the final scene where uh song kang ho looks into the camera at the end which is always such a brave choice i think for a director to break the fourth Mm. wall like that um Mm -hmm. and yeah i just love that because because when they made this movie like the killer could still be out there he may well have gone to watch the movie in the the movie theater Mm -hmm. yeah like Mm -hmm. that's horrible that's such a horrible thought yeah, that gave me goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and that is, you know, you're. I never even thought that much about the take to camera at the end, but you know, you're there. There's that interesting thing about like they made a they made a few different one in particular, but I think a couple different um, 
Zodiac Killer movies like at the time of the Zodiac killings. Mm -hmm. And there's one in particular that I think might literally be called the Zodiac Killer that the whole reason the production happened was because they thought it would draw him out, that he would go to see the movie and they could wait for him at a theater and and find him and catch him. It's wild. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's interesting thinking about this idea of making a movie at a time when you know that person is still at large. Yes. And yes, having yes. to reckon with the fact that that person may one, see the movie, B, feel good about the fact that you made a movie about, right? The, 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 Ooh, we, yeah. we talk about this a lot where these these people may feel celebrated for oh, that. Oh, they love you know, it. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Way. And so the idea that then you have this character look directly to camera at the end to actually address that figure. Right. Because that figure could be there. You know, Whoa. I think that's actually a really interesting way to um, combat that challenge of having to make something like this when that person could be there watching it and feel celebrated by it. You know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely. That's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, I need to watch this. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel like I'm going to love this. Especially, like, I wasn't always a horror fan, and I feel like true crime and serial killer stuff is, like, probably the thing that, like, I liked the most, and that mm -hmm. maybe helped me get into horror. You'll so really like feels, it. Yeah, yeah, this feels great. I would just like to go back and rectify something I said a minute, because I had a bad feeling about it, but they did, I've just checked, and they did actually catch the guy in oh. 2020. Yes. So really not that long ago. Because I knew I had it in my head. I was like, wait, I think they did. Because I think I was like in Korea when they did it. But um, I but do anyway. remember that that was a big news story. And part of the news story was like, hey, that movie they made, yes, you know, yes, 10 yes. years ago now mm -hmm. has an ending. Exactly. Wild. And even, uh, you know, your point still stands because even when this was released, he wasn't caught. So there is a right. very good chance that he saw it too. So, oh, creepy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very. <laughs> um. Then in 2004, he was in The President's Barber. Uh, Great title. Which he was in with uh, Moon So Ree, who is from The Handmaiden, which uh, I watched for the first time last year and loved. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it's a more interesting movie than this, but that title sounds like a like late 90s, early 2000s yeah. like movie that stars like Sinbad and like an up-and-coming teen <laughs> actress or something. You I know? know. I'm pretty sure this is like one of the... He did, like, it seems like a lot of um, like some historical dramas, mm. uh, and this seems to be one of those. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so Sinbad is not in the president's barber. No, probably not. <laughs> Should be. Um, and then in 2005, he's in the Antarctic Journal um, with uh, Yu Chi Tae from Old Boy and Lady Vengeance. Also um, love which, him. Yeah, oh, really? Well, I just love him in Old Boy. Like, um, oh, yeah. Who does he play in Old Boy? He plays um, the guy, The guy. oh, God, what's his name? I'm so... So bad with names, but he plays the the main guy, the antagonist, the one whose sister. Oh, the antagonist. Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? His his schoolmate, his old boy. Oh, old, yeah. uh, not Odesu. Um, that's the main guy. Uh, right. Eugen. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. he plays mm -hmm. Eugen. So yeah, he plays the main guy, and you know he's he just also has that amazing performance in Old Boy where he's like you think he's crying into his handkerchief, but he's actually like hysterically laughing and old. Yeah. Mm. So good. He's terrific in that. Yeah. Um, Antarctic Journal, I think, might be available somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, it sounds like it's a horror movie, and you know, Antarctica. I just immediately thought of the thing, and I was yes. like, "Ooh, is this Song Kang Ho and the Thing kind of film?" Oh, yeah, that, that sounds interesting. Actually, <gasps> that would be so good. That that's probably not what it is, but that's immediately we're like, "Um, oh, I hope that's what this is." This is strange yes. things begin happening with an expedition deep in the yeah. Antarctic. Um, and then he is, he has a, sp a pretty small role in this, I think. Uh, he's in Lady Vengeance, so another one of the Vengeance trilogy. I feel like he was kind of just one of the, I don't know, 
like sidekick yeah. kind of characters. I that's like actually he tries to capture her or something. Yeah, I actually don't remember him in this mm. movie. Um, but yeah, I think he was just like a, an assassin or someone. But I don't remember him as a like huge feature of the movie. Because I remember like we watched it for the first time last year, and I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Yes. Um, but when he popped up and was that small role, I was like. But this is Song Kang Ho. Yeah. Like, I, know him, I know him from Parasite and all these other movies. I was like, why is he like in such a tiny role? Like this man's a movie star. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's like that thing where because you have Chairman Shik, who is like you can't have both of them because they're both too powerful. Like yeah, yeah. you can't True. have both of them on screen at the same time. It would just explode everyone's. Mind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what we're. Yeah, I think that's the narrative we're gonna go with. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then in 2006, he's in uh, The Host uh, with Ko Asun, um, who is in Snowpiercer with him as well, which right, is very right. cool. Um, yeah, I mean, this was one that I watched for the first time this mm. week, um, and it had been on my list for a while now, um, especially because I like uh, Bong Joon-ho so much. So I thought this was really fun, and I was actually surprised um, how like decent the creature effects still looked. I yeah. thought that yeah. was one thing that really stuck out to me. They hold up really yeah. well, especially for that being like a basically like a fully digital creature at yeah. the time that this was made. I think there's like so much attention paid to like the weight of that creature mm, and yes. how it like yes, moves yes, yes. and interacts with the environment. I feel like you can tell what Bong is doing that makes that that sells that mm. is he's doing tons of in camera like wherever its foot is going to land, there's going to be a little like crack in the cement. There's yeah. everywhere it's going to hit a building. I'm actually going to explode a part of a building. Every, You know, I think he did a lot of in-camera effects that sell the digital effect of the creature, which That's is super impressive. Mm. Yeah, there's a note I have here about the creature design that I put in because I was so interested. Um, he and his creature designer wanted the monster here to be different from those typically found in Western cinema. Most notably, he didn't want his creature to look like a dragon. Um mm. So pictures of uh, mutated and exotic fish were used um, to ultimately create the look of the monster. Bong Joon-ho also wanted a creature whose look worked in harmony with that of actor Song Kang-ho. <laughs> what does that mean? Is that I have a, no like, idea. <laughs> I don't think that's a compliment at all. I know, well, I, one thing I was thinking of maybe was that, um, you know, he is playing this like bumbling figure that yeah, he's yeah. like, He's not, he's like a child, he's like a man child essentially, yeah. mm -hmm. um, but he's also a father. And so he's trying to, like, you know, he's like this bumbling guy that needs to rescue his daughter from this insane situation. And he's like, you know, one of the most incompetent people to <laughs> be, be doing this. Yeah. And I feel like there's something that's maybe, um, I don't know, like the bumbling aspect. Not that the creature was necessarily bumbling, but there was something about the way it moved that yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, maybe that's what like they were thinking. It's it like looks kind little... of awkward on land. It's like flopping mm -hmm. about, like yep. um, yeah. still scary as hell, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you could describe it as, as bumbling yeah. the, the way that it moves <laughs> on land. You're right. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And uh, Amber, you wrote an article about this, you said. I did, yeah. So uh, this was actually the first article I had published by the amazing oh. Necromancy magazine, who I love um, them for giving me the opportunity. I, they were doing like a creature feature theme. Um, so I was like, oh, I really want to write about um, the host. So I was living in, at the time I was living in a neighborhood called uh, Hyochang Park in South Korea, which is in Seoul. It's right next to a place called Yongsan, which there is a huge U.S. army base called Dragon Hill. And basically Dragon Hill, the, the army base, 
um, they leaked like shitloads of toxic benzene into the ground um, for years and years. And it kind of went all covered up because, you know, military. Um, But yeah, it was that this was like one of our big questions actually coming out of the movie was like how uh, it's uh, it's obviously very directly being like America real sucks real bad dude yeah. does real bad <laughs> stuff and gets away with it but i was like i wonder how real this is like is yeah. this like a real actual thing that happened yeah it it is i mean in 2004 like the seoul government like launched this uh, huge cleanup of the waste and then bong joon ho released the host in 2006 so mm. you know it's it's wow. very clearly influenced by it. um and i don't i I don't know how the cleanup went. I mean, parts of the Han River are still very polluted, but it is mm. it is a film that is very quite anti-American military. Um, for sure. Which, fair, enough. Know, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I wanted to write about it because where I lived in Yongsan, next to the Han River, there is a statue of the creature from the host. Um, wow. Whoa. And it is like life size. Um, I have a picture of it, which I'll send you guys later because it's so fun. Yes. Um, yeah. And I just thought, like, what a brave move for a city to build a statue of a horrible mutated fish creature right next to the river where it's like yeah. supposedly come from. Um, oh, that's hilarious. Oh, well, yeah. Seoul is just such a, a such a great city. And that's just one of the things that make it so charming. Like, it's not afraid to like poke fun at itself. Mm. Well, oh, that also feels like it could be a nice big middle finger to America, just sitting yes. in the middle of their city. <laughs> yes. you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. I like mean, that's this... an area that has so many like expats and military that all live mm. there. So yeah, it's probably like, hey, look what you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you did something so bad. One of our most successful entertainments that allowed us to break out internationally around yes. the globe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, is now uh, has been em- emboldened into a statue or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, in 2007, he's in a movie called The Show Must Go On about a part-time gangster who tries to be a full-time di- daddy and Aww. wants to live a peaceful life despite his profession. <laughs> this sounds also a perfect sounds role great. for him. Yeah. Yes, yep. yes. Uh, he's then in a film called Secret Sunshine the same year. And then in 2008, he is in The Good, The Bad, and The Weird uh, from director Ji-Woon Kim, uh, which we have seen. I am not a Western person. Me I'm not neither. a big fan of them. No, but same. Garrett is. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do enjoy a good Western. I particularly okay. like spaghetti Westerns. Uh-huh. Um, the like Italian sort of schlocky B-movie mm-hmm. Westerns from like the 70s. Um, and that is what the good, the bad, the weird is sort of doing. Um, it is it is trying to uh, there. There is now a term that is just noodle westerns mm-hmm. <laughs> because so many different Asian countries have since gone on to make their own sort of I interpretations. Um, there's a movie called Tempopo, which is mm-hmm. uh, I believe called a uh, a ramen western. Uh, is what <laughs> they refer to it as. Uh, yeah. So, and I would say that this is a a noodle western. Um, and uh, what is so interesting about this movie, Amber, is that this movie takes place in and around Manchuria um, during the, I believe, at the time that Japan was trying to invade Korea. Um, I, I believe Manchuria was basically like a no man's land between the two countries. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was the the sort of lawless, They based, the movie's interpretation of it is the lawless West, you uh-huh. know, um, uh, of the East, essentially, is, is sort of the movie's take on it. Um, and so what you have is like, uh, I believe it's like a Japanese criminal, I think like a Korean lawman, and then like 
maybe a, a, a sort of like uh, maybe a Mongolian that's like sort of a crazy guy that's like caught in the middle of all mm. of this. Mm. And the three of them are basically after a treasure map. And so oh. what it is is like a history lesson about this time in Korea's history and, and sort of like what Japan did to them. But through this big entertainment spectacle of like a, a Western, basically. Oh, and, and the that. reason I like it so much is I like to sell people on it as like, it's a Western, but it's only the good scenes from Westerns. <laughs> like most Westerns are like an hour of boring material and one really good scene. Mm-hmm. And this is just those really good scenes stitched together in like a two hour movie. Oh, um, it's, yeah. it's a train robbery. It's a shootout. It's, you know, it's like all of the things that you'd want just stacked on top of each other one after another. And it's super entertaining. I got to check that out because Tori, like you, I'm not, I don't like Westerns. I, I, mm-hmm. I just never got into them. Um, but I think it's so important for people to know about like the Japanese occupation of Korea and China mm-hmm. and other countries. So I really, yeah, I'm definitely going to check this one out. Yeah, yeah it was it, entertaining. And I mean, uh, Song Kang-ho plays a very Song Kang-ho character. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he does this great thing the whole time where no one takes him seriously because he's such a bumbling fool. But that <laughs> is then how he gets away with so yeah. much. Like he lets people perceive him this way. And then like it's really it works really well to his advantage when there's like, you know, the double crosses that always happen mm. in movies like this and stuff. So Ooh. he's perfect for it. Yeah, he's he plays a wild card, basically. Yeah. And, you Amazing. know, he's a perfect actor for that you, you would definitely recognize a bunch of the other leads from this too it's it's like basically like all of korea's like to my understanding like their most famous actors um in a movie together it's it's I a lot of fun check it out okay i'm putting yeah. it on my list right now and I, I mean personally i'm like a huge fan of this director i think kim ji woon is like he he's like i think he made that um that american movie um the one that schwarzenegger and johnny knoxville were in together what the heck was that called i, I can't think of it now I can't think of the title, but he like he's one of the Korean directors that tried to have some breakout success in America, mm. but like didn't quite make it, you know? Yeah. Um, in the same way that that in particular Bong and, and Park have have really like taken off in America. Oh, the Last Stand. Yeah, The Last Stand. He directed that. Um, oh. and, and that was not a success in the way that like some oh, of the other. He did a tale of two sisters. I mm-hmm. always forget. <gasps> that. OK. Yeah, that's the one. I was mm. thinking, I know I know that name. I know that name. Oh, off topic. That's a masterpiece. Yeah, we watched that last year. Oh. Yeah, I think that was an, another one that we were like, oh, we got to catch up on this because yeah. we always hear great things. Um, yeah. I would like, actually like to give it a rewatch because yeah, I thought liked it was it, good. We didn't love it. But I feel like the, and maybe it's part of me that just like didn't maybe totally get all the puzzle pieces towards the end. Mm. Um, so I would like to give it like another watch, especially like knowing kind of some of the reveal that happens later mm. on. Yeah, it's one of those films where like if you go back and rewatch when you know what happens, you're like, oh mm. shit, that's because of that and whatever. But I just love the two okay. girls in that movie, like their performance. Performances are um, mm. just amazing. Yeah. Really good. Um, and then he is in Thirst. Uh, so he works with uh, Park Chan Wook again. Um, and this also stars Kim Ok Bin, um, who's in The Villainess, which I would also really oh, yeah, like I to see. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Um, but this was one that Garrett introduced me to a couple years ago and I think kind of sold it to me mostly just on like, oh, it's about a priest that then has to like become a vampire and deal with like Mm -hmm. confronting his religion. And I, that's like kind of a sweet spot for me. I love like religious (laughs) figures that then have to be confronted with like, is what I believe real? A crisis Mm -hmm. of faith. Uh, I love love it. it. (laughs) 
Um, and this is very much that, but then also in a really fun, entertaining, weird horror movie. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember when Midnight Mass came out and I, I love Midnight Mass, so no shade to Midnight Mass, but I, I was like, hmm, a priest struggling with his faith, sexuality and vampirism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've seen this before, but I I love Midnight Mass, anyway, so I don't I don't care even if it ripped it off, which I don't think it did. Um, right. yeah, Thirst is a gorgeous, sexy movie. Yes, uh-huh. and 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 like really strange. Like there's scenes in this movie that feel like um that director, what's his name? Is it Jean Pierre Junot? Uh, made the the guy that made Amelie and and mm-hmm. some of the other stuff. There's like. There's there's all these scenes in this movie that have like really like extreme set design and like kind of like bizarre angles on those like set mm-hmm. design and stuff. It's like yeah. a really just highly stylized mm-hmm. movie. And it also feels that way like it's almost like it, it's not vignettes, but it kind of feels like sometimes they bit. are. Um and yes. one thing we talk about is that we we always kind of forget that Typically, the South Korean films we want to see are like pretty long um, compared to like, we're like, oh, everything should be like 90 minutes. And then we wa- we're we like, oh, well, this is like over two hours. Oh, like, do we yeah. want to fit- watch this right now? <laughs> um, but this is one of the movies that I feel like is really good with its runtime and mm-hmm. earns it because it just keeps getting weirder and deeper into mm-hmm. what's happening and takes so many turns you don't expect. And I, I love this movie. Yeah, I mean, by the end, they're fucking flying around, making out in the moonlight <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I did not. I usually don't go in for like romance in horror, like just because mm-hmm. I love to be depressed and I love to be sad. But yep. <laughs> I just couldn't help but like love love his character in this. You know, he's the vampire, but he's not even like the darkest one. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Okbin, who plays Teju, who is the the woman, she's mm-hmm. the one who really is, you know, pulled over to the dark side. Whereas yes. um, Sang Hyun, Song Kang Ho's character is is more just like. You know, it's thrust upon him without a choice. Also, this movie is has some really gross scenes. Uh, the scene in particular where he's playing <laughs> the flute um, really like grossed me out. And like he's playing mm. the flute, and then this blood starts like bubbling and coming oh, out. Yeah, and, I about that. Yeah, it's just this, there's also that great sex scene between the two of them where uh, Shin Ha Kyung, who plays Kangu, who is the husband that uh, drowns. Mm. <laughs> the vampire and woman are having sex and then his body is just like <laughs> in the middle of them like just doing this really weird creepy smile um oh yeah it's just so good and the ending is so sad oh i know it's such a beautiful heartbreaking yeah. ending yeah it yeah that whole scene where i mean her performance especially in that she's just like slowly losing her mind as she's realizing yes. what's happening and yeah yeah, I think about that ending a lot. It is just such I a beautiful too. kind of like yeah. breathtaking cinematic moment, I think. Yeah. I'm a sucker for anyone like bursting into flame. Um <laughs> like I really I don't know why I just really like that. Also Midnight Mass did that too and they did that really well when they had the boat scene. Um but yeah, I really like that. Oh, Very that's nice. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Garrett loves uh, specifically men on fire in movies. Yeah, I love a good man <laughs> on fire. I love when a dude just totally lights up. There's a great, we watched, um, you ever seen Hard Target? It's a John Woo movie with no. uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, there's a scene towards the end of that movie where Lance Henriksen is wearing a big coat that gets lit on fire <gasps> and he just keeps doing a villain monologue while his coat <laughs> is on fire. It's fucking awesome. And we're just like, that is just Lance Henriksen with the coat yeah, on fire. Yeah, that's just straight up Lance Henriksen <laughs> acting with a fucking flaming oh. coat. It's awesome. Man oh, on fire. So you should make a, a new podcast just about scenes oh, where men, on fire? men yeah. get lit yeah. on fire. For sure. <laughs> Love it. 
Yeah, so uh, you love when you can tell that like they've got that weird fire costume on her. And there's just like a blob yeah, yeah, guy yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> They're yeah. very happening? bulky. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we get to his roles in the 2010s. Um, so he, in 2010, does a film called Secret Reunion, uh, which is another one of these films that's about like a South Korean agent and a, a North Korean spy who's deserted, which is interesting. Mm. Um, in 2011, he is in Hindsight about a young assassin who's sent to rekill a retired mob boss, but things get complicated when she begins to like him. Mm. Uh, and then in 2012, he's in Howling, which is, um, it sounds like detectives trying to catch a werewolf. Oh. Uh, which I always, I kind of just love seeing, um, like other countries' takes on like vampires and werewolves right. and some yeah, of that yeah, more yeah. like, you know, like European mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like, I think one of the reasons that like Thirst really stuck, sticks out to me, but I, I'm kind of interested in this Howling movie because of that too. Yeah, I yeah. didn't get a chance to watch this one, but I mean, obviously as it's on the horror side of things, I was like, I will check it out because it does sound really good. Yeah. yeah. You actually, you just said something that uh, brings me back to Thirst for a second, which is interesting, which is like, you know, vampires get used for all kinds of, I think, like metaphors and stuff. But it's interesting that that movie, the particular thing that it's sort of addressing as like vampirism is like like religion kind of, you know what I mean? It's mm. like I, it mm. actually uses that metaphor in a way that I think I don't know that I've seen it used. So it's interesting seeing it translated through another culture yeah. to see like how they use it metaphorically, you know? It's really interesting as well, the fact that it's a Christianity because Korea has a very no I would I don't want to say long because it's not I mean really since the Korean War like Christianity Mm. has really had a huge boom in Mm -hmm. uh, Korea I go into the sorry to like plug my own stuff oh no (laughs) Um, on my podcast I have an episode on the whaling uh now Hongjin's the whaling with uh Mm. JD Hilmer who is a PhD student and researcher in Korean history and he just blew my mind with the history of like Christianity in Korea and how, oh. um, you know, Korea is not historically a Christian country, but when during the Japanese occupation, Christianity became like a kind of safe place for Koreans mm-hmm. to worship because mm. they couldn't worship um, outside of churches. Um, so, yeah, I just thought it's just really interesting that Thirst goes from because, you know, like a film like The Wailing goes like the traditional Korean shamanism route, but Thirst goes into like the Christian route, and it's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, that is very interesting, because then that that sets a little extra piece to that sort of religion as vampirism, where it's like, yeah. oh, it's more it's more like, you know, imperial religion as vampirism or whatever you want to call that. You know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah. when it's when it's thrust upon you and, and used to, to, I don't know, sap at your society yeah. in some yeah. way. I mean, Jesus was a vampire, let's be real. He, <laughs> so he, true. He, everyone, he's making everyone drink his blood, and then he died and came back, so, you know. And then in 2013, he is in Snowpiercer, which I think is the first Bong Joon-ho film that I had seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did have this note here. Just I had to add it because uh, Harvey Weinstein fucking sucks. Yep. Um, yeah. So apparently he and Bong Joon-ho clashed a lot during the filmmaking. Um, Harvey Weinstein frequently interfered with the uh, in order to demand his version of the film. Among the many requests, the producer insisted to have uh, the fish scene removed in favor of more action. Bond, who considered it his favorite shot in the film, was adamant to keep it in. He told the producer that he wanted to keep the shot for a personal reason as a tribute to his late father, who was a fisherman. Upon hearing this, Weinstein said that the fam- uh, that family is very important to him, so he granted Bong... Uh, 
he like said he could keep it a, the shot in the film. And then in an interview, the director said, it was a fucking lie. My father was not a fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. He is uh, so funny. Yep. And he's, he's like, great. He, he's my favorite personality type, which is a little stinker. You know, yes, like he, he is. He is. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what it was. I think it was at the Oscars where they they he was like on the red carpet and this woman asked him something like, "Why do you go like this weird route?" And he just said, "Because I'm a fucking weirdo." And just like <laughs> just the most deadpan way. I just love him. He's he is a little stinker. Yeah, he's great. And it's interesting too because I know uh, Amber, you had mentioned like how precise he is with his like filmmaking, which is something I don't know a ton of about, but it, it does make sense to me too, that working like in America where you have producers like this, that feel like they need to like get in yeah. the way of your filmmaking would be like really frustrating for him to deal with. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that uh, he did not like immediately come back to English make yep. English filmmaking, you know, this, cause this was his big uh, English debut, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he went right back to making Korean movies for a couple of years before I think Okja was Okja his next English language yeah, movie. Okja, yeah, Okja, yeah. Yeah, I mean I think obviously Parasite had an amazing reception, but I think I don't know how much fun they had like promoting it. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I saw a couple of um moments like when someone asked the cast of Parasite like on the red carpet she she was like are you so stoked are you so amazed to be in America like is this so amazing for you and they were all just like no yeah (laughs) and also like like some of us have been here before right you know what I mean like yeah yeah Oh, that's hilarious. Um, but I really like Snowpiercer. Yeah. I we I think we watched this somewhat recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing this in theaters for the first time and being really blown away by it. Mm-hmm. And I think the people I was with weren't like as into it as me. But um, I, I also just really like um, Chris Evans a lot. Mm-hmm. And I especially like him when he is not, not in Marvel movies, much like Sebastian Stan, because uh-huh. he also <laughs> is someone that I think likes to play like some weird roles if he's given the mm-hmm. freedom to. Um, and this is like... The was a dark role for him. I mean, his monologue about how babies taste the best has got to be like the height of truly horrifying, but also hilarious in how horrifyingly absurd it is. Like kind of dark comedy for me. Yeah, I I have honestly, I really need to rewatch Snowpiercer because I saw it once it came out and because I love Tilda Swinton. um, Mm. I'll pretty much watch her do anything. Um, But that I'm just still thinking about that. Uh, Bong Joon-ho it was a fucking lie like that reminds me of like um, oh who was it I think it was Hayao Miyazaki who sent why they. I think it was like when they did Princess Mononoke maybe for the US release Weinstein's mm. company produced it and Miyazaki sent him like a samurai sword that just said no cuts on it um, <laughs> and, uh, just Incredible. such a power move like love that I, I'm just I love anyone you know, telling Weinstein to get fucked, basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's also great that it's these guys that are like, dude, I'm not even from your country. Like, I'm not yes. going to fuck around with you. Like, yeah. you can just yeah. fuck off. Yeah. Um, but yes, have you seen the Snowpiercer series? Because I've heard pretty good things, but I haven't actually seen it. I, I haven't, have and I would like to because I really like uh, Davy Diggs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have not. And I haven't actually, like, I feel like I don't know that many people that watch it either, so yeah. I haven't heard no, a ton. Yeah, no, same. I, it's kind I, of because... When people say Snowpiercer, I assume they're talking about the film, but a lot of people mm. are talking about the show now. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah, because it, it, the source material is like a comic of some kind, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it makes sense to me that there could, you, know, you could probably adapt it into a series as well as a, a movie. Yeah, I'm interested in like 
I guess how how much material they have to work on versus like what are they what's new I mean which so many shows do that like a Handmaid's Tale and stuff like that or like mm-hmm. way off source material but well in my understanding of the comic is that it's like you know where the movie is moving you through these cars rather quickly mm. and each car is like a new world or whatever that's how you get a long thing out of it is you spend a lot more time in each car right. in each section where mm-hmm. they don't really know that there's even more to come you know yeah mm-hmm. and so you you sort of get uh, i think even like entire arcs out of just like whatever the school car or whatever you know mm. um but uh yeah i do i love the world building of that movie um you know this whole world inside the train and uh, I think the ending is always like a little bit like janky and confusing and strange, mm-hmm. but everything that leads up is just so good and well done. Yeah. That I, mm-hmm. I really like yeah. it. Um, and then, yeah, after that, he's in The Face Reader, which is about uh, someone who is able to assess the personality, mental state, and habits of a person by looking at his face, which sounds very interesting mm. to me. It's also similar to literally what his character is all about yeah. in Memories of Murder. With the oh, eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I guess he had an uncredited role in the interview. Uh, oh no, which is shit! Interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. You, you mean the uh, the the Seth Rogen comedy, yes. right? Yeah, <laughs> interesting. I never um, saw that. Uh, you know that. I think mo- I watched it. I was of kind you, of mad Garrett. about it. Well, I, okay. I would love to hear your opinion on this because I think I watched it twice. I want to say I watched it when it came out, and I was like a big you know comedy fan, and so I just wanted to see it, and I thought it was funny or whatever. But then I like watched it again a couple years later. And I think it was maybe once we were in the midst of the Trump presidency or something. Mm. And, and so anyway, I was starting to feel like, wow, we've got like our own like dictator on the rise and blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, watching a movie where like some people just very directly gave a big fucking middle finger to like a very dangerous living person mm. suddenly like had I, I got like a real rise out of me. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I was like, wow, this is actually like in some ways very powerful but then the other thought that comes with that is like, but it's a bunch of Americans doing yeah. this. Right. Like, that, yeah, should that's they what, be doing this? You know? That's what bothered me about it is I was like, okay, Seth Rogen, and who else was it? James Franco? Um, yeah, yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you get to make this movie and then go back and live safely like yes. in the US where you may yeah. have just antagonized a very erratic and insane person. Um, yes. Also on the poster... Um, this is going to sound really assholey of me again, but they <laughs> the Korean alphabet is wrong. Like they've oh, written interesting, yeah. And I don't know, like I I just did you not? I don't know if that's intentional because I haven't seen the film, but like they've written right. something in Hangul and it's just completely wrong. And I'm like, did you not ask a single Korean person? <laughs> that's very <laughs> like, interesting. even Song Kang Ho. Like why did you just ask him? Yeah, he was yeah. on set. You could have yeah, at least been like, hey, is this like, okay? Hey, is this okay? Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe he they did do that and he fucked with them and told yes, them. Yes, that is such a thing he would do as well. Yeah. Uh, but no, that is interesting. I mean, that's such an American thing is to just like, you know, fuck with other countries that like you don't actually have to deal with any of right. like the fallout of right. and just go mm-hmm. home and be like, okay, hey, bye. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then after that, in 2017, he's in A Taxi Driver, which uh, I know you said you watched Amber and is like steeped in some yeah. like Korean history. Yeah, so a taxi driver, I'm going to very, I've got my notes here because I like don't want to get anything wrong. I'm apologies <laughs> if I get anything wrong. So um, basically in like the 80s in Korea, there was one of the presidents was assassinated. Park Jong-hee was assassinated. And then an army major called Chun Doo-hwan kind of forced his way in through coup d'etat. Like he was not elected. He um, basically ushered in like a martial law throughout Korea. And there was a protest in Gwangju, which is a small city in Korea. And 
it was it was mostly from college students like uh, who were fighting for democracy and uh Chan Du Huan kind of sent like the military who killed people, beat them, raped them, you know, the police got involved, soldiers were just like smashing people to pieces. Um Chan Du Huan never apologized for it. He was basically like hated um by Korea and by most Koreans for the rest of his life. Um he died. He actually died just before he left Korea, so hmm. the end of last year, and he was like not allowed to be buried in like the the president cemetery because oh, wow. he like committed war crimes and um one thing I I do like about like the South Korean political system is they do not take shit from their like um leaders like they they will throw their presidents in jail um mm. rightfully so for doing like heinous shit um but yeah a taxi driver is set in that time and it follows like um it's a true story actually it's a, this german it was a german journalist who wanted to cover it and he i mean it's true but it's obviously very dramatized um yeah so a, a taxi he paid like a taxi driver to take him there and they get like caught up in the protest and it's, it's a very moving film and um i learned a lot from it because i really like i said i'm no expert I barely know anything about my own history let alone like other <laughs> countries um but it was it was a really good movie and i really recommend it um oh cool because i do yeah. want to see this i think i've heard very good things about this movie i remember when this came out and it was like a i think like a pretty big deal yeah he also just looks so jolly on the cover yeah he's, like, he's giving that beaming beautiful smile that he Love has him. and it yeah. just immediately endears me to be like i don't care what this movie is about but <laughs> i want to see it <laughs> yeah i mean i think a lot of it is obviously the real story that happened was not as like they put in like a car chase and it's a little bit silly because that sure, didn't happen sure. but it's just fun like well obviously the subject matter is not fun at all but um it's a very mm-hmm. good movie and yeah he's just a delight to watch in it as always oh i'm sure uh after that he's in a movie called the drug king which i don't know too much about but i think is on netflix i yeah. feel like it's pretty easily accessible mm. uh and then he works with bon joon ho on parasite in yes. 2019 mm-hmm. and uh yeah damn if this movie uh yeah, this was like definitely one of the best movies that came out that year. It uh, was my number 100%. one movie that year. I believe. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a couple notes here. Uh, one is just that uh, the family that Kang Ho's uh, character uh, Ki Take uh, works for in the film shares the same last name as his character in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which I thought was pretty interesting. I did not clock that until you said it, and that's yeah, that's really that's nice. Very funny Easter egg there. Yeah. Um, and then he like just says something cute here about working with Bong, but he said, um, but with Parasite, I felt like director uh, Bong had finally come upon the light and people had seen, uh, people are seeing who he is as a director and he's receiving the respect that he deserves. So as an actor and as a partner in working creative relationship, um, that is really delightful. Uh, that is the most satisfying experience that I'm having right now, which I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, that's so cute. You just like are so happy for your friend. Yeah, like, that's the notoriety. Yeah. Um, and then he also talks about like writing with Bong and, and such, because uh, Bong, it seems like usually considers like actors for roles, like as he's working on them. Mm. Um, so he said, yeah, he does consider me when he's writing the screenplay. But at the same time, he worked with um, he worked with different actors before. So I'm not the only one he's solely abounded. Um, actually, privately, we had this conversation um 
director Bong and I had asked about the next project. He said, uh, you want me in there? And then he said, I have to write the screenplay and then I'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> He's very cold hearted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love when they banter together. It's so fun. Uh, I know. Like uh, both of them just are, have such big personalities. So yeah. I love the idea of them being together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this film, it's interesting because I know when Garrett and I saw it, we were like, it's it's interesting how much of this is like very culturally specific. And mm-hmm. I remember even looking into like some things that like like South like South Korean people would want you to know about Parasite and like, you know, certain things that are like kind of important to the story that you probably wouldn't know if you're not from the country. The one that I remember is when the sister is trying to remember her like her the details oh, yeah, of her like yeah. fake story. Yeah. Is she like does that bouncing finger song as she like sings her mm. details to herself? Apparently that's like a very fa- it's like a serial theme or something that's on like a commercial a hundred yeah. times a day in Korea. You know, it's like if you were Korean, you would know exactly that melody that's she's funny. doing because it's like the Folgers theme or their equivalent yeah. of that or whatever, you know? Um, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's, so much of it's specific and then like just in general, the whole themes are things like you know living in America and the class struggle that's here it's like oh this is universal yes um, sorry yeah. to cut you off Amber please go no ahead. no no so I was just like thinking yeah a lot of Parasite is so culturally specific but like you said what's that great quote from Bong when he's like we all live in the same country which is capitalism mm. yes. um, <laughs> yep. and yeah it's it's oh Parasite is just a magnificent movie and I know like you know sometimes like when something gets accoladed and deservedly mm-hmm. so and then the hate train starts and people are like oh it doesn't deserve it but it does oh, it, it does. definitely does <laughs> and I do it's a it's a wonderful example of that thing of like the answer to why diversify anything is because truly the more specific something is the more universal it can become yes. in a mm-hmm. lot of ways yeah. you know um, it starts to feel if it's very specific it feels like someone's lived experience and it helps mm-hmm. you feel it as a lived experience and then relate it to your own lived experiences, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, you know, Garrett and I, uh, I think both pretty much hate the Oscars and like don't <laughs> actually yeah. care about award mm-hmm. season at all yeah. and we think it's all bullshit. Um, but I remember when they won for this movie <gasps> and oh, being amazing. so excited for the first time in years mm-hmm. because it actually felt like someone was getting uh, yes. what they deserved. <laughs> Bong <laughs> Hive, rise up. Oh, it was That's such, right. I was so excited. Like, I was watching, I was so excited. And I was so privileged to be living in Korea at oh. that time. Oh, I bet that and, was exciting. Oh, it was so exciting. Like, I I mean, I even had students with like 10-year-olds saying like, teacher, have you seen Parasite? And I was like, you should not <laughs> have seen that film. Um, same, with, But it was just, it was so nice to see like these kids finally see a movie from their country and their culture get the international recognition that it deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was just fantastic. It was like, I mean, it was also, oh, I think it was during COVID or just before COVID kicked off. So that put a, you know, dampener on things, but it was a great time to be um, living in Korea. And then of course we had Squid Game as well, um, mm-hmm, Yep, mm-hmm. which also has a very similar thing, you know, it has very culturally specific things, but, you know, we can all attest to the fact that um, for certain things, we'd all have to fight to the death to get money for. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know I we really need to watch Squid Game. Yeah, we haven't Game. watched that yet actually. Oh, okay, and we sorry, would like I, to. I didn't spoil it. No, you don't need to. I I mean, we know the premise. It's all right. We we yeah. get it. Yeah, and we're I think like it's always nice to be like reminded like yes, this is something I am very interested in yeah. and I like I kind of know I'm going to love it. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's really fun. I mean, I are they making a sequel series which is pretty unnecessary in my opinion, but you you'll, you'll mm. enjoy it. It's good fun. Yeah. 
Sounds about right. Always making sequels that aren't necessary. <laughs> you, uh, you brought up a couple of things throughout this conversation that I did kind of want to ask about a little bit, which was like, so like in my opinion, Bong, and because of the Parasite win, I think this is pretty definitive, is like he is probably the most well-known Korean director in America right now, mm. I would think. But is is he, you know, is he the top of Korean directors in Korea? Like it, he's the one that, in my opinion, is really broken out into like international acclaim. But would he be? Con- is he like in Korea considered their their Spielberg or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say any definitive answer because obviously, like, I'm not mm. Korean. But he, yeah, yeah, I would say he's he's a household name. Um, I had, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I had little students saying that they knew they knew of the film Parasite. Their parents mm-hmm. have been talking about it. I would say him, um, Park Chang Chanuk. Uh, Yi Chang Dong and uh, I'm blanking on names now, but yeah, the Bong Joon Ho. I think, especially in terms of like you know, Korean people saw him, uh, his interviews in the states, and mm-hmm. um, what I think it was for the first time, it was like, wow, okay, so a director who we've known and loved for years in this country mm. is finally getting the recognition he deserved. And it's really hard because I'm I'm trying to think of like a, a quote unquote Western equivalent, and that. I don't think I can. Well, we, we're the we are the purveyors of exactly. movies, right? That's like what Hollywood I'm thinking, like, yeah. is our export, and so it, it would be. It, it is an experience that would be unique to almost any country yeah. outside of America. You know what I mean? Because yeah. um, everybody's trying to play in Hollywood's ballpark. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. There's no. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no like American director who you guys would be like, oh, I wish like everyone in the UK knew about him. Like, Right, yeah, because they do, because yeah. They do already. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, if you make it big in America, you make it big everywhere. Sounds so yeah, cheesy. Yeah. Like, that's true. Yeah, it's, it, you know, the that's the, I don't know, somebody dumb said that some at some point, which is just like entertainment is America's export, yeah. basically. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, I mean, like yeah. the indie films that like, we, I know we talked about a couple, like mm-hmm. the indie films that are big in the United States right now. It's like those are things like you're able to see, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. so it's like, yeah, yeah, they're independent, but they're like worldwide. Yeah. 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 But I couldn't, you know, Parasite was the first Korean movie I'd ever, ever heard of people going to see in the movie theater in the mm. UK. And and the US may be a lesser so just because you have more cinemas and um, yeah. more yeah. far reaching and, and then- indie film. Yeah, and, and definitely there was that time of uh, what do they call it, like Asia Extreme or whatever. Oh, like yeah, there, there yeah. was a the early two thousands. There was sort of a rising crop of not just Japanese but also Korean and and some other um, countries like exporting a few of their especially horror movies mm-hmm. um, to us to some success. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, because there was like Japanese film had like a huge boom, didn't it? Like, mm-hmm, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. since um, the 60s, but then in the 90s and the 2000s, yep. especially the J-horror boom. Yeah. Um, yep. And then, yeah, I think Parasite kind of, well, even before Parasite, I guess maybe Snowpiercer kind of kick-started mm-hmm. this um, outsource of Korean, you know, people starting to wake up and be like, oh, this this is a movie that I've never seen. What country is this from? Look it up and see more. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah, I Parasite even, really kicked it off. I remember even the host, I think, had a, a fairly yes, big impact yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember when the host came out and, and you know, uh, uh, American critics talking about that movie and stuff mm-hmm. as just like the first good monster movie that had come out in quite a while, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I think it's been like slowly on the rise, but Parasite definitely feels like the sort of, I mean, they won an Academy Award. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That, that, that solidifies them, I, I think, as like, 
another one of the big filmmaking industries that that can yeah. have success globally. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of people's minds, not uh, uh, you, you two obviously feel the same as me, but a lot of people's minds, like the Oscars is as high as you can get. Um, right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And that's pretty much where they are now. <laughs> I, mean, I know. That, that... I have a lot of family that like my sister, like just watches like whatever is being nominated. And I'm like, you're missing so many other movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's why uh, something like that, as much as I hate it, remains important to some extent. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if they do ever once in a fucking decade do the right thing and give something like Parasite the win, it actually does mean that like many, many yeah. more people yes. will see that movie than would have otherwise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm happy that it got uh, as as notarized as it did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, after that, he's in The King's Letters, uh, a historical film about King Sejong, who risked everything to invent the Korean script for his people and the people who weren't recorded in history. Um, as a history nerd, that just sounded very interesting to me. Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know um, he was in this, and I would love to see... King Sejong is, yeah, like you said, he basically invented like the Korean script and he is like uh, I don't know probably the most famous Korean person uh, in history oh, wow. interesting two, two Korean people um Sejong Nim is like there's statues of him he's he's on the money and mm. I was thinking to myself if anyone was going to play Sejong Nim in a film it, it had to be Song Kang-ho to be honest <laughs> yeah that makes so much yeah. sense that's um, very interesting. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, that, that's so cool that it's like I don't know that's such an interesting, interesting story that the the person that basically allowed Korea to have a history, like a written history, mm -hmm. becomes like fa like famous. Historical. You know what I mean? That's like yeah. their, their, their famous historical figure. That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, Hangul, I mean, I'm not going to geek out about Hangul, like the Korean script, but it is it, like it was perfectly designed. Like all the shapes look like a mouth shape. Um, oh. So it makes oh. it like, it's so, you can learn to read Hangul in a day. Like it's amazing. Huh. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's really Big interesting. Big love for King Sejong for that. <laughs> Cool. I can like picture their script now that you're saying that, yeah. like all, all of the oval shapes. And yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. It's it. very. Um, I mean, simple is the wrong word because it's obviously not, but it's it's a very well designed. I mean, I think it's mm -hmm. one of the only languages that was like uh, written languages that was like sat down and designed rather than huh. like um like the script. Like I don't know before they uh, in Korea they use like Hanja, like the Chinese characters, um, which mm -hmm. I have tried to learn and. <laughs> So much respect for anyone who's learning Chinese yeah. sure, yeah, characters because yeah, yeah. I absolutely cannot. But yeah, Hangul is an amazing language. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the last movie he was in came that came out uh, is 2021. He was in Emergency Declaration. And then he has one film that's in post-production called One Win about an unsuccessful coach who is paired with a losing female volleyball team that only needs a single win for the owner to keep it going. <laughs> Boy, that sounds joyous and wonderful. I, mean, I love that he's just in these, <laughs> like, like I, no offense, I have no interest in seeing this film and I probably <laughs> never will. Like, I... I know that he will give an amazing performance in it, but I just love that he will come out every few years with these amazing films and then, you know, do yep. ones that maybe don't do so well. I just love that about him. It's funny, too, because I probably would also have been like, oh, I'm not interested in this at all. But yeah. now one of my favorite animes is like all about a boys volleyball <laughs> team. And so I'm like, oh, this might be right up my uh, alley now. You have now. to watch it now then, yeah. <laughs> have to. Um, I have a couple like little facts here that I thought were were interesting or funny. Um, apparently, his son became a footballer against his father's will. <laughs> <laughs> um, he voiced Alex 
Alex the Lion in the Korean dub of Madagascar. That's hilarious. And he <laughs> is a, a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Art and Sciences, which I think is pretty cool. Um, That's interesting. But yeah. Uh, and then a couple of the interviews I got were from IndieWire, um, EasternKicks.com, and ThePlaylist.net. Um, but I, yeah. I, that, have, uh, I have like yeah. one last kind of like major question oh, yeah. for you, Amber, mm. uh, which is going to be another one that you're going to be like, you know, I, I don't have the definitive answer on this, but... Mm. Um, Sort of similar to my question about Bong is like, you know, I guess in my opinion, Song Kang-ho is one of the more recognizable Korean actors in America. Mm. Um, is he a huge, I, I imagine he's a big movie star in um, Korea as well, but is he, you know, is he their Tom Cruise or is he, you know, are there like, if I were a Korean, there's like all kinds of other movie stars that I might know before I, mm. I, I know Song Kang-ho. Oh no! I would say he. I'd say he's in like the most recognizable ten. Um, okay. Like yeah. I used to play with my students. Like we would play um, English learning games, like twenty questions, um, mm -hmm. where you'd have to think of like a famous person, and you, you'd be like, "Does he have black hair? Yes or no, or whatever." Um, uh -huh. And like I was always because I didn't want to do just like American and UK people. I wanted to do people that they would know um, more definitively. And Song Kang-ho mm -hmm. and Che Min-shik and Gong Yu were always the actors mm -hmm. that popped into my head. And I was like, yeah, okay. Even my little ones are going to know who this man is. And, oh, you know, cool. yeah, I would That's like, cool. when we were doing like lessons about other countries and we were showing like famous actors, I would always use Song Kang-ho as like, um, the equivalent, if you will, be like, oh, he's like the Song Kang Ho of France or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yes, that makes yes. sense. No, okay, he's, cool. he's a very big name. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that you say that just because I think that, you know, we picked him for Killer Bees because he's in a lot of genre films. Yes. And that's mm. like, you know, he's only he only has like 30 something acting credits. And so a big chunk of them are these genre films. And so I feel like if this was an American actor we were talking about, he would not be at that level of like, you know, top 10 actors in the country. So it's yeah. interesting that like, you know, because of like, you know, just what the roles he did and even how weird they are, they are still like, he is a person that like people in Korea know, like, <laughs> I yeah. I get the impression that in general, genre filmmaking is more respected yeah. around the world than it actually is here. Like in America. Yeah. Um, I find that a lot of the stuff that gets exported successfully to America is genre stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and they yeah. seem to put the kind of attention and care and detail into their genre stuff that we never do, you know, we never yeah. budget genre stuff with, I mean, we do now that, that actually has changed in the last like 20 years, probably in American cinema too. But, um, you know, this stuff was all relegated to B movies. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. whereas I, I feel like other countries have more interest and respect for that stuff. And so they, yeah. you know, yeah, don't always I would, treat it as B movies. I would love to get into like Korean horror B movies. Like mm. I wonder if such, I'm sure such a thing does exist, but they would probably be very hard to find. But yeah, you know, there's like the right. big names like A Tale of Two Sisters, um, yeah. Thirst, The Host, etc. But I would love to know, like I recently found out about the Whispering Corridors series, which I'm obsessed with hunting oh, I down. Watch those. Oh, the one I watched, it was so lovely. And I've got um another one. Um, I'm not going to say how I'm getting it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm finding it. Um, but yeah, I, just something like that. Because when I find out, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't like know this. And of course I wouldn't know it because I, I'm not from Korea. And these are probably right. movies that just come out and are just like, you know, um, in the movie theater for like a couple of weeks and just like, yeah. then pass yeah. into obscurity like we have in our own countries. Um, but yeah, I I'm would love so to see more. I'm always so curious about that because like, 
you know, other countries have their own film industries. And so anything that makes it to my eyeballs is probably like the most successful thing exactly. that country yeah. has ever made, yeah. you know? And so it's like, there are, there've got to be hundreds of movies that I've never heard of. I'm never going to be able to see, uh, you know, that could be good. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I want to see the shitty Korean zombie movies. I don't want to yeah. see like the yes. amazing, like train to Busan. I want to see like their crappy ones that didn't make it big. Right. Well, please let us know what you find as you do yeah. more of this research. Cause I'm sure we want to see it too. I will. I'll do it for the good of the world. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Amber. It was so love. I mean, you're always so lovely to talk to, but oh, we really you. love talking about Song Kang Ho finally, and also just like hearing about some of like you know your knowledge and experience living in Korea is so interesting. So this thank was great for us. Much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, for having thank you me. so much. I had a really uh, good time. Yeah, we did too. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up? Oh yeah, just the the usual. <laughs> um, <laughs> follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Hornblood Fire. Um, check out the Hornblood Fire podcast. Side note: I'd love to have Tori. I'd love to have you back on again, and Garrett. I'd love oh, you of course. to come on as well. Um, oh sure. Um, if you go to my website, you can subscribe to my newsletter, hornbloodfire.com/newsletter. Uh, check out my writing for Ghouls Mag and Grimoire of Horror. And the host article that I wrote for Necromancy Magazine. And I think that's it. <laughs> Perfect. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, uh, you can find us everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Uh, send us an email at gmail.com. Um, you can find me at Philadelphia. That's with an F on Twitter and Letterboxd. And uh, yeah, I am uh, the Neon Banshee at Twitter and Instagram because. If for some reason I have a Twitter now, I don't really see the point in it. But yeah, I, I am there now. Um, and then you can find uh, my writing at Movie John. Yeah. Um, Amber, thank you again for being with us and talking Song Kang Ho with us. This was a real pleasure and delight. You brought some expertise that we would not have yes. been able to provide. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. And to anyone listening, I'm not an expert. And I don't claim to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you're our expert in the field. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, thank you very much, yeah. and uh, let's get out of here. Uh, Amber, can you give us a hearty buzz, 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 <laughs> buzz, 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 buzz. <laughs> <laughs>